Hey, listener, Zach Harper here. Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rivals pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years. Here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick First time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step. To five three three four two New York, call the twenty four seven Hope Line at one eight seven seven eight Hope and Y or text Hope and Y four six seven three six nine. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to another black episode of Black Opinions Matter, motherfucker. Courtesy of the number one independent podcast network in the world. My name is Amino Hassan. That's John Gervais. That's Big Waz. That's Black Trey. Guys, we got a lot to get into today. It's a busy day. We watched Between the World and Me, which is the Tanisi Coates, uh, I guess, uh, you know, live action uh, and reenactment of his book. Um, we, we, we've got um, an, another music anniversary. The great Michael Jackson thriller turned, uh, I guess it turned 38 today. Uh, let's see what else we got.
Chappelle came out with, I don't know if we're going to special or a little kind of a little bit of commentary. We'll talk about that. Uh, we'll also, as I said, we got a lot of stuff. We got to talk about Kevin Hart, not necessarily his stand-up so much as the reaction on one app called Clubhouse. But first, we got to get these Nate Robinson jokes off. That's right. Y'all thought we were going to talk about serious things here and like society and culture and Hollywood. No, 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 no. We got to get these jokes off. My man, Nate Robinson, I remember Saturday afternoon tweeting out there because Nate had tweeted a picture of himself and said he's ready about to do it for the culture. And I quote tweeted it and I said, Nate Robinson, you're under arrest by the uh, D.C. Department of Pre-Crimes Division. I went, I went back and I rewatched a little clip from, from Minority Report because I basically was, I was predicting that Nate was going to kill this dude, never knowing that Nate's whole strategy was to fight like a nine-year-old. Just straight windmills <laughs> and run straight for him and leave with your chin. And I got to ask, I got to start with Trey because, Trey, you're more plugged in than any of us when it comes to these sort of things. Did Nate never step foot in a boxing ring before this, either to train or whatsoever? Uh, so he had been training, but like... Training what? Literally, what no, he training? no, it's the thing. He literally was training six days a week, but he let his emotions get the best of him. He let the trash talk get the best of him, and he felt, this is a white boy, I can whoop him, and went street fight strategy, all aggression, all haymakers, all whatever wildly... <laughs> exposure that you're not supposed to do in a boxing match and was wide open. And Jake Paul, all he had to do was just get his stance right. He already has the height advantage and just pop, 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 pop. And we got to see it multiple occasions where you never expose your face. And there was things where Nate kind of was trying to hug his way out. But once you step in that ring, it's kind of impossible to hug the entire fight. Eventually, you're going to either try to avoid from being in the corner. You're going to have to know what, um, you know, when you throw a punch that you're going to open up some things, but after that punch, you're supposed to return to block. And he never did it. And every time he had a counter for it, it was one, I think it was the one that put him to the <laughs> ground, was the uppercut, the left, then the right, and it was over. Like, the fact that he could even get an uppercut off of the protection, I knew he didn't know. He he winged that shit. Yeah. It was like, it was like, yo, this is a final exam. I know 40% of this shit, and I watch I'm going to get a C on it. And I'll still be cool. And that's how he treated this boxing match, because he had no respect for this white dude. He's a YouTuber. <laughs> but this guy has been boxing for two years. No, hate like, him or love it. He Hate it or love it. You know, little kids love him. My, my thing was this. It's just, I watched Nate fight, and I was like, hold up, man. Because I'm not a boxer, but I know like there's some bare basics, like back foot, front foot, hands up, like jab, jab, and then... And he didn't do none of them things. So it's not even about like what Again, I mean, it abandoned it. Listen, as soon as the said ding ding, he went and was like, look, I'm about to get on his ass. And he thought that his him, his aggression would intimidate him. Like, oh shit, black guy coming. And he was like, <laughs> Nope. Bop, 
But in the whole world, Snoop Dogg saved the night. First of all, Yo. Snoop Dogg was amazing. Shout out to, shout Snoop. to Uncle Snoop. Shout out to Uncle Snoop. His- and fuck you to the announcer who's like, oh, there's no laughing matter here. Shut the fuck up, man. We're about to get these jokes off. Shout out to Snoop <laughs> for getting the jokes off despite the hate ass announcer. Well, uh, it's not that funny that Nate Robinson. Shut the fuck up, man. I'm like, just shut up. Sit over there. Be quiet. Oh. I was kind of nervous for Nate, though. That last <laughs> drop, how he fell, and nigga was just laying there because he hit him. The world he hit him so. Listen, I said, listen, that nigga seeing cartoon birds. The world I, I didn't know what was going on because I said, yo, this shit looked like a real life exhibition of uh, Apollo Creed. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and for all that, you know what I mean? Like, kudos to Nate. You know, obviously, he had, he had hopped in the group chat and started joking and all that stuff, according to James White. But then I was talking to a couple of people from Seattle, right? Mm-hmm. And we had one portion of Seattle like, he ain't from Seattle after that loss. <laughs> what? Yes, they were disowning him. And then there were people that were close to him that were like, I'm just proud of you getting in the room. And, 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 we, and we do courage. have to say that, right? I think that's something that people who don't respect boxing, who don't watch boxing enough, understand that. Anytime you get in the ring, you put yourself in danger of getting hurt, right? So there's a level of, you know what I mean, courage that it takes to even step into a, a, a boxing ring. But Waz, please, place. please, please make that disclaimer, Waz and Amin, about boxing ain't sweet. No, it's not. <laughs> no, no, no. That was, that was a real, hey, we've seen Amin go on American I'm about Ninja. Saying, it's the same, seen, I'm about to say, it's the same thing as American Ninja fucking, You need some courage. <laughs> <laughs> you see me going James Corden. This ain't it. You go in there. This ain't the all right cut. No. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, and it's, it's whoever was talking shit on the whoever's talking shit on the couch. I don't care how many street fights you won. It is not boxing. Yeah. I'm gonna tell y'all what, what my buddy Andrew Schultz said because I I was the one. I, like I said, I was like, oh, they gonna kill him. And Schultz, he's he's a big time like boxing aficionado. <laughs> He was like, I don't know, man. I don't know. So he said, I'm, this is before the fight. He said, I'm just telling you, athleticism and coordination are great, but you can't learn boxing in eight weeks. Boxing is different, man. Nate's an <laughs> athlete, no question, but boxing is different. And so after the fight, he said, <laughs> he said, this shit ain't a game. Y'all play a game. This ain't a game. <laughs> this, is a, this is a fight. <laughs> yeah, what did he say? Hold on. Yeah. Athletes play a game. This is not a game. <laughs> it's not. It's not. That that's that is beautifully put. But I do want to rewind just for the listeners who don't really have a clue who Logan Paul is. Um, obviously he's a YouTuber. Isn't his brother the main YouTuber though? Yes, Jake Paul's the main one. Yeah, but Logan yeah. also is okay. So Jake one. Paul is the one who popped, and then Logan Paul because his brother yeah. popped, is sort of popped just by osmosis, right? And these guys get do millions of views on all their YouTubes. Like the products they endorse, like will sell the fuck out after they endorse them. These guys are money making machines. They're modern day celebrities. I feel like we went from. Celebrities had to be sort of athletes to actors to even reality TV people like Kim Kardashian. And now just YouTube. YouTube would turn your ass into a full-fledged celebrity, a full-fledged money-making machine and operation. And Jake Paul is 
part of that world. He's one of the biggest people in that world. And so I think that was part of the underestimation on both Nate Robinson's part and just the general public. It's just like, who is this random, nobody, blonde-haired, white kid um, to think that he's going to be the world-class athlete like Nate Robinson in the ring? And Nate just got, he just got Molly up because, again, this guy has been boxing for two years, um, you know, sparring, fighting people, uh, and, and, and was ready. He was ready. Um, did we get the tail of the tape? Like, what was the, the sort of size um, disparities there? Were there? Because I he don't was, know. Jake, Jake Paul. Well, it clearly like was six, a, two. A, a disparity. Oh six one, six two, and, and Nate's fight like five. Yeah, eight. But he's about both, six one. But they're both about one one hundred ninety pounds, which I thought was okay. gonna help Nate. I'm like, yo, okay. like b- being you know compact, kind of like a yeah. Mike Tyson thing, being low center of get- like, gravity type of situation. He didn't use his speed. Yeah. I mean, he didn't use any. Listen, whoever trained him, all that shit went out the window. I'm gonna say that. But also, that's this goes out to the crowd who uploads their their sparring videos. You know, the people that, that hop in that class, the Groupon class, and punch the heavy bag and do all that stuff. Hey, man, listen. It ain't sweet out here. Yeah. I know I ain't about to hop in the ring with nobody. And I, I, mean, like, to think, I like to think my street fighting hands is lit, but, all right. you know, you get me in the ring, you going to put me to bed, Jay Holiday <laughs> style. <laughs> I'm going to put you to Yo, bed. Yo, Nate Robinson is the new... He's a new adjective for sleep. Uh, yo, I'm Nate Robinson. <laughs> so, Go ahead, first Drew. thing, I know. I mean, we, we you know we all grew up in different neighborhoods, but we've all seen the same. We, we've all seen the same thing, right? We've all seen cats, no matter big or small, get knocked the fuck out with one punch, right? So you got to tip your cat, Nate, that he took. I mean, he got knocked. He got knocked clean out, but he, you know, what I mean, he took a couple punches. But what I, what what this what this shock, y'all? That I had no idea who 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 dude was before. I mean, not until like really after the fight. No, no, I had no idea of, who the fuck Nate Robinson Jerv, was fighting. A lot, a lot of people don't know who that dude is. And to be honest with you, I just know of. I don't. I've never watched any of their content. I know yo Waz. Which one was right. the one that went to like the sem- the uh, the woods, the forest? I think Japan, that's his brother. The, the the one where everybody the kills forest. themselves. I think that was his brother. Yeah, and his brother that became was a big infamous. Country. That was a. That's when they became. Yeah. Part of my universe, and I was like, "Wow, like right. niggas be on YouTube, well, <laughs> why right, the right. respect on YouTube, wow." Right, hey, I had I didn't know they existed until uh, my students brought them up. I had an eight year old and nine year old talk about them, and I was just like, "What?" And they're like, "Yeah, Mister <laughs> Edwards, crazy. did you uh, you know about Jake and Logan Paul?" I said, "No." And then the Black Lives Matter, the whole Scottsdale Fashion Square thing. Yeah, someone told me that doing that. Someone told me that yesterday. Yeah. He, he was, was telling people to loot. Yeah, he didn't actually loot. He was walking on the premises of the mall when it was closed and filming himself as if he was saying, you know, stop the looting or whatever. Right. But he got fined for it um, for like, you know, inciting. Yeah. yeah, inciting it. So, yeah. All right. So let, let's get to the, to the serious stuff. What was your favorite Nate Robinson meme of the night? Oh, it's definitely um, the the elders, Martin, Malcolm, and and all these black church ladies looking down upon Nate. Which is, oh, they just look so aggrieved. They look so disappointed in young Nate for for letting the the race down. That was easily my favorite because honestly, we've all let an elder down at some point in our lives. Like we've all seen that look. We 
we've all been the, the 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 receiver of that. Wow, you let me down. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so that was my favorite because it's so it rings so true to our our you know shared experiences, black people. Jerv. Um. It's for me. It's a tie between uh, what what's it the uh, the mattress whatever the mattress one was the seedling mattress or whatever um, yeah the, the mattress John and then the um, the one where they show Tyson and Roy Jones like in the ring and they're about to do the announcement but Nate's like in the background still asleep <laughs> like in the corner yeah for me it's it's one of them too Trey what was your favorite one I'm gonna have to go with my own um, I posted uh, Martin leaning on the ropes. Oh yeah, uh, after, yeah. It, it it went up during that time. I dropped it off at a prime time, so I'm gonna have to big that one up myself. That was a good one. My favorite one. My favorite one was the one where it wasn't even a picture. It was just words. The person said, "the the the last thing Nate Robinson heard was please like and subscribe my video." <laughs> yeah, that, hey, that's hilarious. <laughs> Yo, that picture of him in in the Knicks jersey is that was that before or after? I think it's after. I think it's after. They're saying the tr- what? If that's after, I, I got I got to put that one in because that's I mean I know that's just a troll, but I I just got to get that off. Like that's they gotta sick. go sit. They gotta go like, stand. The they gotta go stand. They gotta go stand. The disrespect Jerry. is real. <laughs> like it, Jerry. It low key has to be on next on site. Jerry Ferraro, shout out to Jerry Ferraro, friend of the program. But he he was so sad. He hit me, man. He was like, someone just hit me with once a Nick, always a Nick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. How often do you use excuses like I had a long day at work or I'm just not feeling it? It isn't easy to talk about erectile dysfunction, but Roman makes it easy to discuss and treat ED. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship you real medication with free two-day shipping. Free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com B-O-M. That's GetRoman.com bomb and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to talk about, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com bomb to get $15 off your first order of ED treatment, a free online visit, and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com bomb for $15 off your first order of ED treatment. GetRoman.com bomb, B-O-M. Get 15 bucks off. So Dave Chappelle came out with... I, I'm not even going to call it a special. It was just a video of him in the middle of his stand-up talking about kind of the details of some of the stuff that he'd alluded to uh, earlier uh, in the SNL monologue about the his stuff being you you know put on Netflix and HBO Max because Comedy Central basically uh, leased the rights out to those streaming platforms and he doesn't get a penny of it. Um, and he talked about ownership and he talked about kind of told a story about you know never get between a man and his money and and i thought it was really good it was really interesting he's he's the greatest storyteller alive as far as i'm concerned but there's a part of me like and maybe this is because we work in this lane now entertainment where i'm like bro that's a contract you didn't sign that when you were 15 you signed that when you were 28 like you've been around you've made movies you have been in movies 
You created content where you were the main vehicle of it. You know what this business is about at this point, and you know what you're signing away. Um, and so, I, like, I was just kind of a little confused as to the kind of persecution he felt. I totally support him saying, fuck HBO, because in the story he tells, he pitched Chappelle show to HBO, and HBO said, why do we need you? We have Chris Rock, which is the old one black comedian uh, rule. But yeah, so I'm I'm with him on like boycott HBO Max. Don't watch my shit on HBO at all. I'm with him on that. I'm with him on him telling Netflix, yo, this shit hurts my feelings. And Netflix being like, yo, we pay you a lot of money to be happy. We're not going to do something to make you unhappy. So we'll take it down. But what I don't get is all these other people who are like. Kind of like, yeah, it's fucked up how they did Dave and like. That man signed a contract, though. Am I alone on this? Well, or am well I, am I, mean, I mean, from personal experience, for signing a bad deal <laughs> uh, and, and, and learning about the IP game, some people just don't have that education, bro. And in his case, you know, he didn't have that particular education. He was just no, but, dire. That's but like Trey, somebody signing onto a... But Trey, this is a guy who'd been... He, he'd been doing stand-up since he was 16. He'd been in multiple major Hollywood movies, including one, at least one, where he's the star of the movie. It's his movie. Written and, and, uh, and you know, co-wrote it and, you know, what starred in it. So for me, if this was like, you know, his first deal or whatever, I, like if it was like Megan Thee Stallion, who yeah. she got in a, in a bad deal, right, with the, the baseball player. Was it Carl Crawford? Carl Crawford. Whoever Absolutely. it was, right? Yeah. So if it's that, then I can have a little bit of sympathy. Like, I'm not educated. You talk about yourself, Trey, about a bad deal. My first deal with ESPN was a terrible deal. But it's like, that was my first deal. I hadn't been in the game for a decade plus, having started younger than everybody else. Like, at 28, he's not a regular 28 at that point. He's a, yo, you seasoned out here, bro, in a way that many of his other co-hosts and co-stars on that show weren't. And that's not to even mention, like, yo, you're a guy where Eddie Murphy literally says, you're my favorite comic. You don't pick up the phone and ask Eddie, yo, what you think about this deal? You don't pick up the phone and call Chris and all, and all these other guys who have kept you and Jerry Seinfeld and all these dudes that he knows because he knew him when he was, the, like he said, the child genius doing stand-up. Like, on that level, like, I felt like he was trying to put it out there, like, oh, I'm just a child. What did I know? These white people said do it. But like, bro, you had resources to turn to. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I feel everything you're saying 100 percent of me, but at the same time, I can understand, you know, sort of the classic struggle between art and commerce, right? Like from the beginning of time, right? Like you're this person, obviously you want to make some money, and the corporation who has the backing of Viacom clearly goes into that situation with all the leverage, right? HBO already told you to kick rocks. All these other media entities told you to kick rocks. And Comedy Central's like, you know what? We believe in you. We'll take a chance on you. And your thing, what basically up to that point has been your life's work, blows up. I, I understand Dave feeling like he deserves a piece of that. You know, like he, he put the blood, sweat, and tears into it. He's the one that went out and got Ashy Larry. Um, he's the one out went out and got Bill Burr, a young up-and-coming cat. He's the one who, you know, who made that thing into 
into what it is. I can understand his desire to want to share within the riches of basically creating a fucking cultural phenomenon out of his fucking skull, right? And basically, you know, you take a deal at a time when you you ain't got shit else, right? Like, I, I need this shit to work. I, I, I you know, I... I understand right. it. I understand it. But at the same time, I mean, it's right. Like, this is the nature of these deals. You know, whenever whenever the, when you're in the creative industries, again, there's a feeling, a need to be like, yo, I want to get my, I just want to get my shit out. Right? Like, I just want to put the shit out in the world. I know people are going to fuck with it. Um, I just need a chance. I need a vehicle that's going to make this happen. And these people finally do it. And then on the back end, you kind of like, fuck. You know, they did my shit did get out to the masses, which is kind of all I ever fucking wanted when I got into the deal. And now it becomes something else. And I understand. And honestly, you know, as a fan of Dave, I won't watch it on HBO Max. You feel me? Like, I, I, I won't watch that shit. And, and, and I can understand Comedy Central being like, bro, you just you essentially just made our point for us. All the people who told you to go fuck yourself, we invested in your ass and we helped you make this shit what it is. And now we're reaping the benefits for what, you know, the capitalists always call our risk. <laughs> we took a risk. We made an investment. That's how. That's what they're going to hit you with, man. Yeah, how I view it also, too, I mean, with both of you guys giving your input on it, I think he just, the climate of, 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 of being, you know what I mean, like, I guess making people feel bad, too. And in this scenario, because I mean, you know, we, we kind of still got the traction, you know what I mean, of being black and just, you know, hey, you did this wrong to us, you know what I mean, <laughs> in this scenario. So in his particular situation, it's like, okay, yeah, you signed a bad deal, but also I think it's more of a fuck you because y'all said I, y'all said I went crazy and I was on crack. You know what I'm saying? Pretty much destroyed my character in, in, in a situation that, I really didn't have any control over, you know what I mean? And like he did mention, and it was so crazy that the crowd was so weird, the room of like the shit that they were clapping for. I don't think they were understanding what he, it's a bunch of white people. Yeah, they didn't really get it. You know what I'm saying? So he's like, no, nah, like he's kind of waiting on them to finish doing it. And he's just like, like, y'all don't fucking get it. You know what I mean? So I can understand the frustration in it because you know, y'all are like, Woo, it got picked up by HBO Max, and he's like, but I don't get fucking paid. Like, y'all don't understand that. Like, and in a situation like I, I do get it uh, for what I mean, saying you're, you're old enough to know and look over the fine print and understand. And you have the resources to call and say, hey, look this over. Like, that's the same thing. If me, Waz or Jerv sign something, we're going to call Amin and say, like, look, well, this network wants to work with us. I mean, what do you think about this? Or what was what is this similar to a deal that you had? Yes, you use your resources. So I don't particularly know that what was going on at 28 when he said he was expecting a child and the desperation of like, yes, I know I can get fucked over in this right. situation and I'm going to sign it. Regardless if it's bad or not because it's immediate money. Right. And, and I mean, to me, like you do things, you do things that like, yo, I know this is a bad deal, but I don't have any other recourse. I'm I'm with that. What what I I won't say I didn't like because I really enjoy watching and I li love listening to him talk, and I feel like I learn every time he speaks. But this kind of like there was an element of it of like feel sorry for me because I was a child who was taking advantage. Of like, Bro, you were you were not a child. Yeah, he was twenty seven. You, you, you were desperate. 
you were desperate, sure, but don't make it seem like I didn't know any better. Like when he made it into from I, I had a kid and like I needed to put food on the table to I didn't know any better. I trusted the people in that room who were all smiling and said, take it. I'm like, nah, bro. Like that's that's not how that like you're not you don't get to play that card. Uh, because again, like this is not your first, this was not your first time at the rodeo, man. Like he'd been at the rodeo multiple times, obviously never would have deal this big, but nonetheless. And the other thing was, you know, I know like why he quit. He's explained it several times, including on that David Letterman thing that we reviewed a couple of weeks ago, but on some level, like you, you reach a point where you can fight for that stuff. Um, and I say this in the sense that Dave might say, I don't need that money to hell with y'all. I'm gone. But Ashley Larry can't say that. And Charlie Murphy couldn't say that. And all the other big characters and writers and all, all them people are dependent on him to stand up and say what's right. Because he's the one that the network's going to listen to. Now we're going to go fuck about them other little people. They listen to him though, because He's a big name and he's a big deal. Obviously, he's the star of the show. And so to me, that's something that always never sat well with me. Like, I get your integrity and artistic uh, freedom and creative control and all that stuff. But also on some level, you owe it to the people who work for you. And that's not even counting the sound people and the light people. And like everybody who's drawing a paycheck off of this saying, oh, man, I'm part of the hottest show in television right now. But honey, we're going to buy a house off of this to, oh, we just got canceled. Because Dave didn't feel good about one of the skits he was doing. So scrap the skit and do another one, man. Like, and, and that's the part where I think what you were talking about was the confluence between um, artist and commerce, right? The artist says, I will never compromise anything for my art. But then you can't turn around and like question the commerce part. <laughs> right. Like you, you made your, you made your artist decisions, and now here are the commercial repercussions. Yeah, and I, I don't think it's funny. And even now, I don't know if Dave ever gets got and, that. But what, and one thing that I did. will say that resonates too is when he said the word in perpetuity, <laughs> that that could be written into the language of a con of a contract, whether you sign it or not. That is fucking immoral. <laughs> like straight up, just to say forever. Until you die. That shit says that. No matter the circumstances. Yo, watch. Every time, every time you, like, someone, like, takes your picture and says, yo, can you sign for this release? It says in perpetuity in there. That is standard uh, language in these yeah, contracts. Yeah, I know. But it's fucked up. And I'm like. <laughs> That's all. I, I get guess. it. I, I, I get it. I, I understand, man. I understand. It's It's no different than, you know, the NCAA finally got, you know, taken to court. Because it's like, we own your image and likeness forever. Yeah. It's like, what? Forever. Hey, don't, get, don't get me started on that, bro. It's like, like yo, that's insane. That right Even if a kid signs up for it and he signs a contract or whatever, but that's, that's fucking insane. That's ridiculous. It's, you know, it is what it is. But people should go watch that special. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, he makes, he makes a lot of good points. He's just part, like, I don't know if I have a, a lot of sympathy but I understand what And some saying. people would call it, and, uh, and I'm not going to lie, some people would say that's rich nigga problems. Because <laughs> it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is. And, and was, from one rich nigga problem to another rich nigga problem, uh, Philadelphia's own Kevin Hart, shout out to the city of Philadelphia, thank you for saving democracy. Um, Kevin Hart, 
under fire after he dropped his new special that wasn't that quite funny. It's called Zero Fucks Given, but as many people have called it, Zero Laughs Given. Um, and uh, the online phenomenon known as Clubhouse had an opinion on it. And Jerv, uh, I understand that you are a new member of Clubhouse. Can you explain Clubhouse to the people? I got I got no idea what I'm doing on Clubhouse. Like not not one I have I'm lost, right? Like I signed up because somebody was talking about literally my man said it was like something you needed an invitation to. And typical typical uh, you know, typical fashion. I was like, oh shit, something you need an invitation to? All right, yeah, bet, sign me up. Like, right, right. I'm trying, the I'm trying to get into this. I'm trying to see what this Yeah. Got, my man, got, my, man like, the, you know got my man at the uh, brunch spot. <laughs> Bro, they said they said like my man said like yo, it's a line to get in, and I was like, oh, I don't do lines, dude. Like, you know what I mean? Somebody's got to hook this up, right? So I get in it. Uh, Mark Mari sends me an invite. Mari's kind of put me on. Then out of nowhere, my homie just hops into conversation, and I'm completely thrown off because I'm like, wait, y'all don't even know each other. What the hell's going on? I'm, I was talking to Bull. Now all of a sudden, I'm on a three way call, right? So then. He's explaining it to me. He's telling me everything. And then I'm like, all right, cool. I leave. And then out of nowhere, ping, 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 ping. This conversation starting. This conversation starting. Hey, join this. And I'm just like, nah, I'm good, dog. Like, I'm 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 kind of cool on this thing. Like, I'm probably about two, I'm probably about a, a day or two away from deleting it off, off me, my, uh, my It phone. reminds me of the internet in real life, Dave Chappelle skit. Where he's just walking through the hall and he's just like, yeah. oh, you want that or you want that? And he's like, sure, fuck it. You know what I mean? And, like, and, and by the way, um, Naima and Curran did a great job of explaining Clubhouse. A few weeks back, they they tackled it because I think what our listeners need to know is that the majority of the the people on Clubhouse are the black worker bees in the creative industries, right? Like, it's not going to be... Generally, it's not going to be Kevin Hart. It's going to be... Well, it it used... To, I would say this. When it started, it what made it very interesting and important was that, like, you would get... Maybe not big names in terms of Kevin Hart, but, like, the person who brought me in, uh, my homegirl, Kelly, shout out to Kelly. Uh, she works for ABC. She used to work at Vice. But Kelly was, like, telling me that she was in a room and it was like the VP of uh, brand management for Nabisco was in a room. And this lady was like, yo, let's send you a bunch of uh, uh, stuff. Let's send you a bunch of shit. Like you would meet people in very powerful positions who were just there kind of mingling and having conversations. But gradually as the population has grown, A, you're getting a lot more of these worker bees, as you call them. But B, you're just getting people who are like, they just, they either, that don't deserve a what fucking I've noticed, voice. And that's it. Everybody deserves yes, a voice, exactly. but like yes. to a power extreming. Like, uh, Amin was with me when I got my invite or whatever, because I was curious. I'm like, what is this? Right. So I get the invite, I join, and all of a sudden, I'm invited to to speak on something. And and to to get it to get it to to a direct point, it's not a panel. And people treat it like a panel sometimes, like, oh, oh I'm they use, you with my they use the word synergy, every other word. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, so everything, everything is a catchphrase. Everything into, is is a I got piggyback, dovetail. <laughs> uh, and I and I got pulled into an NBA conversation, and somebody, you know, shout shout out to the homie, 
that invited me in there, which was cool, but it was barbershop talk. And I was so overwhelmed with opinions and I wasn't really feeling it. Cause like, I'm just kind of peeping the scene to see who's in there. And a couple of people popped in because I was in there. I guess it alerts you when your friends are in other stuff. So my friends were like, Oh, this nigga on there, he must be talking about something. And I'm like, nah, dog, I'm not really Mm-mm. somebody invited. I'm just me. chilling. Yeah. yeah, you know what I'm saying? And that was my yeah. last time ever using it. It's still on my phone and I still get the to, alerts. But it was just wild. To me, there, there, there are two types of of uh, clubhouse conversation or people, right? Type one or co- conversation. Type one is I'm going to try to use every big word that I, I've learned to make myself sound like an expert on something I'm really not. It's like Twitter come to life. Like these people really trying to sound like experts on shit that they have no idea of, right? And nestled within that is a lot of like, uh, like fake deep shit. <laughs> like, so the, and we're gonna get to that in a, in a moment, right? The other kind is like just straight ratchet, either like barbershop mm. talk, like people arguing yelling at each other, or like. The relationship that like the, remember when two hundred dollar date was a thing on Twitter? Yes. Like it, it like, yeah. Clubhouse is like two hundred dollar date Twitter every single day for some people. For other people, yeah. For other people that try to sound pseudo intellectual and you know the great example is, is example we're gonna get into this. Kevin Hart is Kevin Hart funny was the name of the of the room and Kevin Hart actually showed up and this and this nigga God bless him I don't know why he would engage with these people but he did <laughs> and this one girl was just talking circles about something that she clearly had no idea of and then he got her and then she like oh don't you don't get to claim what's in my head and and I'm gonna tell you as irritating as she was the most irritating person was the dude who's like well just because she said everyone in here is a dick rider doesn't mean we should all snap I'm like what are you talking about we're we're not gonna let it get this because the rhetoric online I mean is protect black women this is the problem with with I this is why I'm off online rhetoric this is why I'm pretty much off fancy Negroes I'm just off the whole shit it's the idea that I'm supposed to hold these two thoughts black women are have possess autonomy they possess um agency they're the rulers of their own lives. They they control their own destiny. They're these powerful people. Yet at the same time, they are these delicate flowers who you must protect. Like it's a piece of tissue that's about to break every single moment. Like, I'm sorry, that's condescension. That's bullshit, bro. It's that, and it's just it's yeah, just like, pandering rhetoric bullshit. I'm sorry. I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna choose part one. Where black people are, black women are adults. They're people with their own minds, can express their own thoughts, can defend themselves, can articulate themselves. If they got a problem with a nigga, they can bring and, the drama to his front door. And, and, let, and let me say this too when it's a conversation online, obviously we're not talking about physical harm not. or physical danger, right? So when we're talking about a conversation, when I, Trey knows this about me probably better than anyone because we've had a lot of conversations about it when it regards to Twitter rhetoric. My thing is, you come to me respectfully, I will come back to you respectfully. You open the floodgates of disrespect. You're a dick rider. Right. I meant like, no, okay, no, but now it's, now it's over. Yeah. Now talking nice and like, that's over. Now we're going to have, you want to make it into name calling. I'm pretty good at the name calling. 
I'm really good at this shit. I've been waiting for an excuse for it to turn into this shit. But I hold back because I never start, I never fire the first shot. But once you pull out your gun, guess believe, best believe there's going to be some bucking. And so this young lady, she's making a point, whatever her point was, later on, her point was completely invalidated by Kevin Hart himself. But my whole thing was she made her point in the most disrespectful fashion ever to people who are like, Ed Lover was in the room, and that's one of the most respected people in black culture to me, or should be. Then you got some little dude telling Ed Lover, hey, just because she called you a dick rider doesn't mean it invalidates everything else she says. Like, nah, well, yeah, it kind of does. I, I agree. It it's the opposite of that. Because it, 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 so is it a two, it's, it's either a two-way street or it's not, right? It, it's, it, it's one of those things where it's... And and again and and part of it I mean it, this is the shit that 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 matters to me is that like Kevin Hart don't need to listen to y'all browbeat him as a dude you can see, whether you think he's funny or not he's accomplished he employs a shit ton of people he's responsible for getting them paid he's been extremely successful in his career he don't owe you nothing Kevin Hart is not the superintendent of your child's school Right, he's not accountable to you in no fucking way whatsoever. Just because he's a black dude who makes money, he's accountable in one way, in trying to earn your dollar. And if you don't like it, you ain't got to spend that dollar on him. That's the only That's way it. he's accountable to you. Yeah. That's it. Uh, and and, and uh, like I think that Kevin Hart would just own... sit there and get browbeaten by. But it guys. also, I was gonna say, but it also worked out in his favor too, with him going in the clubhouse. Oh yeah, and him addressing or just even just sharing the the his presence in there. People actually took time to go watch it, so it was kind of that like. Oh, let me, well, that's what he said. Actually, verbal click. Let me let me actually find out if this nigga's funny or not, because your opinion might not be valid. You know what I'm saying? Which I personally, when I'm just tapped on something, I just don't even press play, just because I just you know I, I've already made my mind up like uh. Jerv asked us early in the week, did we listen to um, Lil Wayne's mixtape? And I was just like, no, I didn't go on that rant for like in vain for me to be pressing play. You know what I'm saying? Because I already know that I'm not about to press play. And that's the same thing for Kevin Hart. I've stopped liking his material in 2013. That doesn't mean, like Waz said, that he's not accomplished and that he can't contribute to people that like his content. But for me... I'm going to enjoy Soul Plane. I'm going to enjoy Think Like a uh, Like a Grown Man, whatever whatever the title was. Um, uh, uh. Fucking uh, Paper Soldiers. Those things that I really thought he was funny on. Classic. Classic. But I'm going to tap out on his new material. Does that mean you know I me? Mean? He's not for me. I think that he has now reached a, a, a pinnacle in his career that he does not need the majority black laughs. To be successful. You know what I'm saying? He's Hollywood now at this point. Bro, he doing movies with The Rock. He Do- doing movies. Bro, Dr. Bro, he doing everything he possibly could do in this particular situation to be great. So, The reason why I'm never going to be on Clubhouse is because, it, and I'm going to sound, I'm going to date myself and sound like an old man, but I'm just good off of millennial navel gazing in my feeling shit. Like, niggas, like, so much of the discussion is about how these motherfuckers feel. Feel. It's never like, yo, let me say some shit that provokes your thoughts. Like, yo, I want you to think about an idea. 
It this makes me feel like this. Nobody gives a fuck about your feelings, fam. I'm sorry, bro. That's why I'm just off of the. And again, nine out, not even nine out of ten. Nine hundred and ninety nine out of a thousand cats on there will never put a check in your pocket. One, two, will never put you in position, like put you on a game, put you like be like, yo, this is what you need to be doing to get some money. Like they never like this shit is a waste. But, of time. but why, why is this not? To me, it's not even it's not even about that so much as it is this this thing where you basically talk to hear yourself talk and the room like they'll be like they're they call it the stage when when you have speaking privileges in the room. Um, And so you'll have like 40 people and they're all just talking and they're all just trying to make themselves sound like the most intelligent people in the world when the reality is like you're not saying anything. You're just talking around and you're saying the same buzzwords, the same like little uh, catchphrases and jingles, whether it's words like, like you said, uh, uh, buzzwords like dovetail and synergy and all that, or whether it's things like what we need to respect and protect the da-da-da-da. I'm like, the lady who was leading the conversation who like paused it for a second to reset. She's like, you're you're like, oh, it's okay for you to feel whatever you feel. I'm like, well, well no, like it's okay no, for you to feel not. whatever you feel. And it's okay for it's but no, <laughs> it is. It is okay for you to feel whatever you feel, but it's also okay for me to disagree and to point out where you're wrong. Because there's a difference between opinion and fact, right? And when you're just spouting things as fact that are not facts, yes, you are liable to get called out on it. And I just, I, I like, I, I could not believe my ears when these people are like, well, just because she said that doesn't mean, I'm like, yes, it does mean that. And, and here's How the, else am I supposed to? S- and here's the lesson learned to mean. Um, somebody as successful and accomplished as Kevin Hart has no business ha- in dialogue with the plebs. Not as they presently exist. Because it's just obvious. You don't have to kiss Kevin Hart's ass in order to talk to him. Like, you can give a proper critique. And be like, well, I felt like this was that and this was that. We're being just a normal person. Like, you know, just the way that people feel a need to emote and be as muscular in how they talk, right? Like, online discourse is about being as audacious as you possibly can to cut through the noise. Because you want to get noticed for what you say. So, and how you do that on the internet is you talk to people a certain way. And you call you catch yourself calling Ed Lover Kevin Hart's dick rider. For the, like, this, like it's insane, bro. It, it's it's insane to me that like this is how people think that you need to communicate to people in order to be heard. It's just this it's conversation wild needed sage, my nigga. It's, it's, wild. it's wild. It's so, wild. And, and, and what I would say to Kevin Hart, man, like obviously when you get to be that successful, you can't tend to be in some kind of bubble, right? Where the people around you, you know, you outside noise doesn't get in because you have so many filters around you, right? And I understand that. I understand that impulse to want to get down with the nitty gritty of the people. What I would tell you is the people on Clubhouse are not representative of the general population in any meaningful way, shape, or form. It's a bunch of fucking industry people, wannabes, never wases, and never will be's, okay? <laughs> Two, well, two, two things real quick. One, don't ever call me a dick rider. Like I don't care what I don't care what context. I don't care what it is. Like just don't call me a dick rider. Like I'm cool. Like just don't do that. But like I, I gotta be myself. I gotta ask this question. 
I wouldn't be me if I didn't. I'm taking the tone of this room. And I feel like niggas don't think Kevin Hart's funny. And like, that's kind of crazy to me. Y'all don't think Kevin Hart's funny? <laughs> um, I, nah. don't, I don't interact with his, with his, with his work. Wait, what work, what work are we talking about, that's though? Not even a, that's not even Wait, a... I don't know. I just think Bull's funny, dog. Like, he's, he's like, funny to me. Listen, like, Jerv, like, I never watched Jumanji, right? I'm not watching that, no. Oh, I, I didn't watch yeah. High School. I didn't watch the last four specials. Like, I don't... I don't interact with his work, so it just kind of doesn't matter. Like he's doing his thing with it without yeah. how I no, feel. Is, did, did you stop no, watching no, the specials no. because like you think they fell off or like specials, son? I never, I just never. The, I, did, the, like, I, I thought it fell off. I thought out. it fell off. The content didn't hit me the same. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I personally used to think I, he was funny, and it got to a point where I didn't laugh, and that's where the people. It's just like rap, dog. Like the people decide if you hot or not. You know what I'm saying? And when it comes to comedy, like, you know, we get, it's, it's, it's so many in this industry that just like, all right, who's the next big guy that you need to check out? And with him, I just, it had peaked for me. Like, if I don't laugh, then I don't know what to, you know what I mean? Like, I, and I know comedy is even more harder because of the climate and you can't make certain jokes anymore. Like, back when it was normal, me and Amin used to go to comedy clubs and I'd be like, yo, that shit was fucking rude. Did you hear that? But I like my... I like my comedy uncomfortable. And if you can't be uncomfortable, I'm probably not going to laugh at you. You know what I mean? Except, except Kevin on stage. Right. Shout out to Kevin on stage because he, he got right. some, he got some, um, some, some clean comedy. That's, that's hilarious. But yeah. again, Kevin Hart, right, let's see what, I, what are you going to say to me? This is what I would say about Kevin. This is what I say about Kevin Hart and apologies for the sound quality. I'm on my way to my doctor's appointment right now. But what I would say about Kevin Hart to, to Jerv is, his stand-up to me, I, I've been thinking about this a lot, and I think it really is. Like he's always been a storyteller, talk about and incorporate a lot of his life into his stand-up. And I think as he's become more successful, his life is less relatable. And as such, it's not quite as funny. Now, I'll watch Kevin Hart shit on Instagram, like when he does like the the, the interviews with people when he's in the cold tubs. I'll watch him, I'll listen to him on his Sirius XM channel with him and his homies, and it just like roasting each other. And I think he's funny. Uh, but like the specials haven't been funny. And the movies, I don't think his movies ever been funny, which is kind of weird. But also it's the same with a lot of comedians. I think Chris Rock is really funny, but doesn't make good movies. And that's just And I listen, and I know a lot of people that don't fuck with Chris Rock, where they like, eh, and I'm like, I'm not mad. Like, cause you could do it, you can have your opinion to whoever. And I know people who love Kevin Hart, but for me. I, I just ain't I ain't checked for him since 2013. I can't give him like that's the thing. Jeezy new album. I couldn't press play. I couldn't. I don't. I mean, well, he, he's he's been trash. He's he's put out like three done albums. Yeah, ever bro. ever since ever since Rick Ross looked straight in the camera and called him a fuckboy three times in a row. It's just been hard for me to look at Jeezy the same. It's just been hard for me. It's just, been hard, me, it's just been hard for me to look at Jeezy the same ever since then. <laughs> Y'all want to move on to um, Between the World and Me? Yes, please. Yeah, man. So um, you guys suggested we watch this. I thought, you know, I just want to give a brief sort of my well, own. Before you do, let me just ask a question. Has anyone read the book? I have. No, I read the, I read the excerpt. The first excerpt that came out, I read it. And I'm not going to lie, I'm a coach fan, but this is like, 
he got this book deal the way I was reading it. He got the book deal sort of at the peak of his hotness as a sort of public intellectual, yada, yada, yada. And I read the excerpt and I was like, yo, he's too powerful. He has no editors, right? And I'm just like, this dude is so great and so in the pocket and could be so clear in, in his writing. Like he's easily one of the best writers I've ever seen, right? Like his ability to communicate is incredible. And I read the excerpt, I was like, yo, this shit is ridiculous. Like they just let this nigga write and write and write and write. And so I was like, I don't think I want to read the book. And then, you know, I saw the woke white crowd sort of championing the book. And I became like, oh, man, I don't know if I want to do this. <laughs> you know, and so I never read the book. I never read the book because of it became so the, the reputation of the book became so outsized. And my own admiration for his work just wouldn't allow me to like I, I, the, 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 the chatter had just clouded my brain. And I knew I wasn't going to be able to enjoy it just cleanly. You know, what that's I mean? like. That's you know like I mean? listening to Tame Impala and then niggas just now getting put onto it. And you like, right, you right, like, right. man, that shit, man. Y'all niggas wasn't really down for the first album. You feel me? Nah, because yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm actually the new nigga here with that. Like, yeah, I, right, I, I got, right. I got introduced and, and, and to that dope. book. So I'm like, maybe part of the, not woke white crowd, but just more so like, oh, somebody told me this book was dope. And I fucked with it. But I'm sure if I fucked with some other shit that he had out, you know what I'm saying? I would be more drawn in and and more able to critique it how you see it in that in that perspective. Right. You know what I'm saying? And 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 just to say, like I'm still a huge fan of Colts, no matter what. And I say all of that to say to me, like I came into it like, oh God, I'm gonna fucking roll my eyes at this shit. And I'm watching it, and I had the exact opposite reaction. Obviously, like I was just deeply moved by the words. And these actors, like, performing the words was crazy. Like, that shit was... Right. Bro, Mahershala, Mahershala Ali, bro. He, he hit the tear. He hit the tear. He saw that... Bro! Bro! Yo, Amin, son. Like, he got me, bro. He got me when he said... What did he say? He said, love is a... When he was talking about the three shorties, first of all, I thought Coach yeah. was ill for talking about his three shorties. Yeah, from <laughs> Get it off, bro. Coach was getting that shit the, the fuck is, off, right? <laughs> Yo, the book is written from the perspective of, I guess, because I didn't know anything about it, right? right. Like, I knew it was this thing, but I never read it, so I didn't know how it read. And so the, 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 the movies or the whatever starts, the documentary starts, and I'm like, wait, all these people got 15-year-old kids? How's this going? And I realized, oh, this is like one long-ass letter to his son. Oh. But like, you want to tell his son, your son about like the first chick I, I like I hooked up with at uh, Howard. Boy, she was bad as hell. She <laughs> half Indian, half black, and she went back and she came back and said, nigga, you black. That was the part that Mahershala said that I laughed at. But like, when I realized, oh, that ain't his mama. And then he went to the second one. That is his mama either. But yo, man. Hold on. How did the mama, how did the mama read this book? That's all I wanted to know. Oh. I'm gonna talk about the son. How did the mom read this it's book? It's almost it's I mean, almost like he settled. Bruh, I had that insane exact reaction. I was like, yo, son is really going through his shorties from Howard. This is hard. I I, I love with that. With pictures, by the way. With pictures. With pictures. I, I love that. Um, I just, you know, I just thought that the actors' renditions were powerful. Um, it's crazy. And another thing that the book did that people don't realize is like 
that way of talking, like the way Colts kept talking about his son's black body, my black body, like that shit spawned a whole new internet jargon and shorthand where everybody started talking like that. And it was fucking weird for a while where people kept referring to themselves as my black body. It's like, yo, that was a cool device that Colts used in the book, but y'all shouldn't be talking like that in real life. Like people won't look at you weird. Um, and so the book was so influential, like it was crazy. But again, the stories that he told in there was deeply touching, obviously could resonate with all of us. You know what I'm saying? Just the, the topics that he's talking about. And another thing that struck me, Amin, and it's easy, it's ill because me and Amin are the, the child of immigrants and Jerv and, and Trey are black Americans. I think um, the book is definitely rooted in a black American tradition. Wait, Jerv, you Puerto Rican, you saying? No, I said my no. <laughs> I'm Bayesian. My mom, my mom was an immigrant also. She was born in Barbados. Yeah, my bad. Yeah. I, yo, Jerv, hey. I know you was born. My mom was born yeah, in Eastside Compton, so I'm the Lone Ranger in here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. This time I thought you was a Yankee, my boy. Nah, bro. Bayesian. The book is definitely rooted in that black American tradition struggle in the tradition of a James Baldwin, just in that tradition, and it's, it's super duper, it's powerful, man. Like, I, I'm not gonna front. Like, I went into that shit jaded as fuck, and, and, and I definitely got emotional, and the eyes welled up a little bit. I ain't shed a tear, but there, there, there was some water pockets formed in the eyes at, at certain points, for sure, for sure. You, 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 ain't, you ain't no Mahershala. Also, <laughs> also, when he, when he went through the... Oh. You know, like the the former the former flames or whatever. All I could think of is the name of this shit should be between my divorce lawyer and me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, sick dude. I, I honestly, well, well, for me, man, I think when they were talking about you know the flag should be Malcolm X peeling back the you know the the blinds with the, the gun and and that shit had me like, damn, bro, like. You know what I mean? I felt like, well, I'm black, y'all, and I'm black, y'all. Like, I'm mother blickety 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 black, y'all. Like, oh yeah, that's that's shouts to Buddy Compton's own, my man. Is this like a serious version of I'm black, y'all, and I'm black? Yes, yes. I don't know if he went. I don't know if he took that approach, but shouts to Buddy, man, making that track, man. That's that's Black Part Two. That's God. That's God's home. Yeah. Yeah. So, yep. so like overall, just just getting that, like just just digesting it all. You know what I'm saying? Even the fact that like the love and shit, like he's talking about different shorties and shit. Like I was fortunate to go to Texas Southern. You know what I mean for a year, and that still ain't like H. You know what I mean? Because it's it's elitism of HBCUs and shit. You know, even Jerv talk about Hampton and shit like that. But just even hearing about. Howard and shit like and I, all the women in my family went to Howard or Cal so to hear like I was just getting chills overall like damn I missed the experience yeah. but then also like how important you know what I'm saying the fact that he having this conversation with his 15 year old son like would you be faced with having like having children and having a conversation that deep or a, writing a letter to your kid like that you know what I'm saying like you know, with the lack of fatherhood in my life, you know what I'm saying? Like, I was type jealous, you know what I'm saying? Hearing that, you know what I mean? And, and in hopes of having that type of relationship, if I 
am to bring a child in this world. You know what I'm saying? Like it was just That's real. it was it was just deep. You know what I'm saying? Another one? You said what? <laughs> I mean say I mean saying you gotta you see crazy. The you crazy, nigga. <laughs> you crazy, nigga. It's selfish thugs out here. You feel me? <laughs> I'll live through I'll live through you and, and, and Jerry right now and, and, and Wozley Wozny in two years. You feel me? But <laughs> but you know, Waz got a kid somewhere right now with a mustache. That's sick, man. Oh God, here sick we military go. Here cut. We go. <laughs> <laughs> but long story short, man, I thought it was a, a like like a, a a dope thing to you know what I mean like time well spent, um, and that's why I brought it to the chat. You know what I mean for us to check it out and discuss, um, just to revisit. You know what I mean because this is a black podcast and we talk black shit, um, but we definitely needed to tap in our black roots. And acknowledge that. And I, and I, and I do want to say, man, um, what it reminded me of, honestly, when you, I'm glad you brought up the Howard montage, um, and they just show you like all the history that happened over there, and um, all the people that came through or whatever. Uh, what it reminded me of was the first time I went to, um, well, the only time I went to the Black Smithsonian in 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 um, in, in Washington D.C., and you just get reminded of all the shit. That black people have done, have achieved, have accomplished throughout the centuries in the face of just ridiculous opposition and oppression. It honestly, it made me feel very proud, you know, to um to to be part of that shared experience. You know what I mean? To be part of that tradition. And I, I can't even front. Like I was like, man, black people want some shit, man. I'm telling you, man, it's it's, it's very special. So definitely, definitely, whether you're black or not, I think you should check it out, yo. Yo, it's like what they say. It's like black people are the most peaceful people in the world because if this shit, the shit that happened to black people happened to white people, it wouldn't be a single soul alive. Oh man, oh, yeah, man. it would flip the fuck. It'd be it'd be Columbine times three hundred, man. Yeah. <laughs> it'd be crazy. Yeah, what, Chris, what Chris Rock said is like the Columbine kids. They only have like, no one wants to play with us. It's just us six. <laughs> Yo, fun fact, bro. I once met the dude, or I met him several times because the girl that I was dating was friends with the girl who was dating the guy who sold the guns to the niggas that did Columbine. He did like no what? Yeah, 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 yeah. How you gonna drop that? <laughs> Listen, how you gonna drop that on, on the at, at the end of the pod? Hey, we've had the dude who the Yeah, I met the dude who sold the guns to the kids that did Columbine. Um, he definitely did like three, five years in prison or something like that. Um, and yeah, he was a nice dude. Um, tall white dude. It was crazy. I forget his name. But it was wild. It was like, yo, Shorty went. I guess they did the online thing. And you know how Shorties do. They got to Google a homie before they link up with him. And she Googled No, I think she Googled him after a few dates. But was feeling him. It was just like, uh. <laughs> like, I'm feeling him. But he sold the gats to the niggas who did come by. <laughs> oh. So, so she found out after the fact. I think so. Yeah, yeah. They dated for a little while too, uh, like a, probably a year well, I, or so. I, I, they... didn't, I didn't know if y'all if y'all were like y'all got into a conversation. Like, yeah. So what was that about? 
Nah, my my shorty at the time told me. She was like, yo, you know that dude that you met the other day? Yeah, he, he sold the gats to the homie that did Columbine. I said, wow. And then I Googled it, and it came up. His name, all of it. It was crazy. But yeah, shouts to um that homie. He's, you know, he did Don't shout. Don't shout to him. <laughs> but he got the pay. And he did his talents for society, and, and now he's out living his life, man. Everybody deserves that after they do that. That's a sick shout out. Jerk. Sure, as, as the HBCU representative, how did you feel about between the world and me? Were there any thoughts of nostalgia from your college days from watching that and listening to him to talk about his time in an HBCU? I mean, anytime I uh, I love the movement we're in right now, where it's like HBCUs are really getting like love and, and they're really getting talked about. So, I you know after are, are I they got all their financial aid checks. I mean, they in, li- they in line. You know what I'm saying? People in line for them things. Yeah, but, I mean, you a fool, bro. <laughs> but, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, seeing everybody getting the love, you know, once I got past the fact that it was Howard and, uh, you know, I got past my little moment with that, like, you know what I'm saying? I was really appreciative. It's always dope seeing, you know, because I think people really do forget or they think that, you know, HB- they look at HBCUs in this light, but they don't realize there's a lot of history with, with HBCUs and a lot of influential people have come through HBCUs and really have made impacts. And it's not just, you know, the future VP. I mean, you know, shout out to her, but you know what I'm saying? It's not just her. Like there's a million HBCUs, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so no matter what avenue of life that you want to go in, even if it's sports, there's still like a, a million, you know what I'm saying? So anytime I see HBCUs get love, despite who it may which, despite which HBCU it may be, you know what I mean. It's it's always dope. So it was it was really cool seeing that. It def, definitely you know made me think of some of the uh, some of the things down in Hampton and, and, and just the historical factors with Hampton and, and things of that nature. So it was pretty dope. Yeah, my, my thing with HBCU is always like I I didn't grow up idolizing them. Uh, you know, I, like I, I watched a different world of Cosby Show, and I you know because that ain't a real school, Spelman or Hillman or whatever. Well, um, f- fun fact though, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. Fun fact, um, Hillman may not be a real school, but um, the school that it was based off of, one of the two schools that it was based off of, was the Hampton University. Oh, fun fact. God, I knew this was coming. Fun fact. I mean, I just, I just, I mean, I just want to put it out there, bro. Like, change your life as a kid. Sure I'm not even sure if that's fun or a fact. <laughs> it might be nice, hey, but, 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 like, my thing is just like, I was like, oh, yeah, that shit look cool. And then, like, I ended up going to a regular school. And then, like, I had friends who went to uh, Morris Brown and Clark Atlanta and Morehouse and Spelman or whatever. And so we would go over to the AUC to their campus. And, like, I saw how they were living. And I was like, damn, man, that's messed up. Like, you know, how, like, you know, the, the bad facilities, the bad resources, uh, you know, like, people complaining about the Bursar's office, all this stuff, like, man, that's messed up. These schools can't get no funding, da 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 Like, I just felt really bad for them. And then that was the day I found out what my friends who went there, what they were paying in tuition. And I said, fuck out of here. <laughs> Literally, up, this is in the 90s upwards of 30 grand a year, 40 grand a year to go to a school where there wasn't even enough chairs and desks in the classroom. Niggas had to sit on the windowsills like we were in public school. I'm like, what? 
I'm paying a fraction of that out of state at a state school that that's like like well renowned, uh, you know, in its field. Y'all are paying all this money for what? Just to say that you went to an HBCU. And like the more I talk to people, what's all these? Like my cousin went to Hampton, all that shit. That shit seems to be universal, man. And so while I love the romanticization of the HBCU system and the culture, and and I respect the grads and all they've done, like would I send my child to HBCU? (laughs) Spoken like a true coconut. I mean, you spoken like a true coconut. Let me say this. Let me say this real quick. Um, It was it was a slight culture shock when I went to visit my friends at other schools, uh, like predominantly white universities, and I would go to their their campuses and some of the shit that we would like have to whatever like even like the calf like when when I went you was you you know you can go at one time and then you could possibly get seconds or whatever and then like to go to other cat schools what? and like see it's like a fucking boat yeah like it was wild okay. but y'all didn't have the yeah like <laughs> no, well, the uh there was there was some there was some aspects of the of lunch and dinner that were on the buffet right like you can go and get as much pizza as you want as much salad as you want as much like all like that type shit like sand, like if you want to make a sandwich or whatever but if you wanted like the main course or whatever like the the shit that was the the thing for the menu that day, nah, you got you got you got a ticket. You swiped your ID, you got a ticket, and they gave you your food. So it blew my mind to see that like all these other universities had like buffets and shit. But wow. I say it was a yeah, dope ass crazy. experience, and it's not like that anymore. Like you know, funding is crazy. Well, I mean, well, I can't speak for all these people because a lot of them are hurting. Mine's isn't. Shout them out, whatever. But you know what I'm saying? Like if you don't want to go have them problems, but you want to go to an HBCU. You can always come to the good old Hampton University and have a grand old experience. We got to get Jerv on the uh, alumni board or some shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, from Big Jerv to Big Waz, Black Clay, and our producer Rob Lopez, I'm Amino Hassan, Black Man. Baby.